mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 16. We're going to be beginning this week in verse 5, but just small reminder, as we began last week, Jesus says in 16.1, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble, to apostatize, to be out of the way, because persecution's coming. They're going to uh, kick you out of the synagogue. Those that uh, um, mistreat you and kill you even are going to be thinking that they're offering God's service. Now look at this. I mean, you can read one through four yourself, obviously, but I want to give you just a little paraphrase and a little bit of insight in it. Um, that there's people that believe they're religious and they actually kill people. How far away from the true God who come to give life can we actually be when people talk of this? I was sharing with someone once about Muslims stringing up people and gutting them. And they said, well, so long as they think they're serving their God that way, then it must be right. And I'm like, really, you don't believe that. Truly, you don't believe that we, if we're serving our God, we can hang somebody on a meat hook and cut them and gut them like a cow. How could that be serving any God that is true? So there's a lot of things that people make up to serve God, but we need to do what? Allow the Holy Spirit to guide us to remind us, to teach us what Christ has spoken. It's all about what God said. Did God say? This is where we began in the garden. Did God say when who? The one who is a murderer came and lied to Eve. So we know that we're not supposed to be murdering people. Can we defend? Yes. We're not supposed to be murdering people with intentionality. Is there, is there war? Yes. There is defending, but to just murder people because you feel like it, because you say that you're worshiping a God, because you say they're not doing what I want them to do is not godly at all. So he's saying that, that I mean, he took it to the furthest extreme. Listen, I've spoken these things so that you would not be made to stumble. Listen, what's making you stumble in life? Now, we haven't been murdered. People around us aren't being murdered, although they are in other countries for the name of Christ. 
But think about this. He went to the very furthest extreme of it, but there's other little bitty things that cause us peer pressure. Maybe our careers, our jobs, things that are going on in our life. What is making us stumble? Causing us not to be in the way with Christ. Causing us not to take up our cross daily and follow Him. These are things that we should be thinking of because we need to know that God has given us power. He's given us might. He's given us authority. He's given us His Holy Spirit so we don't have to fear and stumble. We can walk in the newness of life. So these things I have spoken. And then he goes on and their mind probably goes, what? Count the cost? They're going to kill us? But think about this for a minute. Then they're thinking, and what would you be thinking? Wait a minute. What things did he say? What things do we need to know? What? And you begin to become freaked out. I need to remember it. I need to know what he said. What did he say about persecution coming? Listen, I'm not trying to tell you that it's written down, although it is. But then he's going to tell us, that the, again, that the Holy Spirit is coming. Listen, you don't have to rely on your own means. You don't have to rely on your own resources. He's already told us in John 14, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He's going to give us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. To remind us of everything that he ever said. To convict us, to convince us, to help us to remember, to help us to go through persecution with his grace poured upon it. To help us to go out to a dead and dying world because there's nothing good in us and there's no way that we're going to go through it. There's no way that we're going to be able to do it. But it's also verse 4, like he said, so that when the time comes, you'll remember that I told you. Listen, the Holy Spirit is going to be the seal. The Holy Spirit is going to be the teacher. The Holy Spirit is going to be the reminder. The Holy Spirit is going to be your power, your strength, your direction, not the talking heads of the world, not the false prophets of the church, the Holy Spirit so important that we remember this because Jesus continues to remind us throughout this text everything that he says. Love others as I have loved you. I'll give you the Holy Spirit to do that. Don't do it in the flesh. Bear fruit. I'll give you the Holy Spirit to do that because actually the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience. It is goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can't bear that without the seed from where it comes from, because the fruit comes from the root. So you have to have Christ in you. So the Holy Spirit's coming to those who believe in him, and those who believe in him, he will come in and seal you until the day of redemption. And he seals you, he puts his seed in your heart, and there becomes this love relationship where you're married and then his character begins to grow in you. And if you need help in knowing what his character is about, you always have the Holy Spirit that's leading you in the Word of God, which always reveals the character, the nature, and the will of God. It's all about the name of God. It's all his story. It's all his testimony. But we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. And yet most of the church 
listens to some other voice. Most of the church read other books instead of this Bible. Biblios, basic instructions before leaving earth. 66 books by 40 authors. It's like having a conversation with God every day. If you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through the scriptures, you're learning, you're being reminded, you're being reproved, you're being convicted, you're being washed and cleansed. You're learning more about your homeland where you're going to go and live for eternity. And in fact, that works both ways. If you're not letting the Holy Spirit lead your life, guide your life, uh, get you into the word, prayer, and fellowship, you're also being prepared for your homeland where you're going to go and spend eternity. Because the fruit, everything's in the fruit, but it comes from the root. And if we're liking being murderers, hating our brother, not forgiving our brother, if we're liking doing the things of the flesh instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to change us, as the outer man is dying, the inner man is being renewed day by day and producing fruit of righteousness. I know I left the front of it off, Mike. I was moving quickly. But this is the life in Christ. It's no longer a life in the flesh. We don't regard anybody as flesh and blood. Oh, you say, I got to work and I got to deal with these neek and poops. Listen, you're not there for the same reason they're there. You're there to be a witness of what a Christ follower looks like. And everything that's there is testing you. It's trying to make you stumble. And you need the word of God. You need the voice of God. You need the spirit of God and the power of God just to bite your tongue and not be made to stumble. Because every time you move into the flesh and live in the flesh and act like the flesh and do what the rest of the nincompoops are doing, you've just been made to stumble because of their stimulus, because of their voice, because of what they have said and not what Christ has said. So what is causing you to stumble? What is leading your life? What is guiding your life? And that's what he wants to talk to us about as we move forward in verse 5 and following. He says this, but now, listen, I've told you these things. Listen, verse 4, I told you these things. And when the time comes, you'll remember that I told you about these. How are you going to remember that? I've got a bad memory. Not in the flesh. You're going to remember it by the Holy Spirit. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Do you see that? He's with us in the flesh. He's with them in the flesh. But guess what? There's a transition. But is a transition word. But is a transition word. But. It's the word Allah. That's what it is. Allah. Transition. Now I go away. Pay attention to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father have, excuse me, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Thank you that he sent the Holy Spirit by asking you to send the Spirit. And thank you now, Lord, that we have been sent by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the authority of the Holy Spirit, with the same message. Thank you, Lord. Help us to wake up to who we are, why we're here, and help us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of you. Pour out your spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, but, transition period, things are coming. But, Allah, is, it, it's happening. It's a period of time. It's going to happen. It happened then. It's going to happen now. When you come to Jesus, things are going to happen in your life. It's no longer going to be the same as it always was if you believe in Jesus. They hated him. They will hate you. The attack will come. The persecution will come. But know this. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Well, how's he in you? By the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Now he's right there with you. Now he's right there convicting and reproving you. He's right there with you where he's always there because the two become one in this betrothal, in this marriage. And he's leading us out of this world and into the Father's house. It's so important that you understand that you're not alone and that God loves you. And he's never going to leave you as an orphan, as fatherless. Let's look at five. But now, now, of course, again, a transition emphasis. Henceforth, of late, soon, in Matthew 24, 21, it's translated a time, can be time instead of just now. It's a specific time uh, season. I go away. Or King James says this, and I like the translation better. I go my way. Isn't that interesting? Not just I go away, but I go my way. What is his way? His way is to do the will of the Father for the purpose that he come. His way is to go to the cross 
and finished the work of redemption because he is the Mashiach of God. He is the Savior of the world. For this purpose, the Lamb of God was born that he would go his way. Do you know what your way is when you leave here today? Are you going to go do what you want to do? Or are you going to go God's way? See, because that's what be made to stumble means, is to be made to be out of the way, out of the will, out of the plan of God, and doing your own thing in the flesh, and not listening to God, or being led by the Holy Spirit. And all of us fight this. You know, it's really easy sometimes to tell when, you're, when you have the Spirit of God upon you, you go, wow, that wasn't me. But it's really hard to tell when you're in the flesh. You still think, oh, I'm saved, I'm good. This is okay. God forgave me. I can do what I want. And it's hard to tell when you're in the flesh and you're doing what you want to do if you're not following close behind. If you're not following real close to what God's saying and listening to what He has spoken and understanding and declaring what's going on. See, that's what we're called for. We're His voice. We're His hands. We're His feet. We're His body. Think about that for a minute. And how does he give his body life? Through the Spirit, when the Spirit's working together. And how does he instruct us? We all put on the mind of Christ. He's the head of the body. Think about this. This is all Scripture. I'm not making that stuff up. Every one of those were Scripture. I'm just giving you Scripture. And then the body, with its each gifting, the hand knows how to do this, the foot knows how to do that, the mouth can do that. We all put together with the mind of Christ and the Spirit of God convicting a watching world. They see our love for one another, and they want to know Him. They want to find out what's going on. They want to see that God. And the only way they're going to do it is when we act in unity. When we're together, when we stop fighting and living in the flesh, when we stop biting and devouring one another, when we, and I'm not talking about all the churches together. I'm not preaching what some people are preaching, that we all got to converge together. No, it's little bodies in little places. That's why Paul went on missionary journeys and planted little bitty churches everywhere because God sent him. The Holy Spirit said, separate to me Paul and Barnabas. And he went out and he planted all these little churches. And he appointed people to be leaders in them. So that there was little lighthouses everywhere to point people to Jesus. And then he didn't just go home and go, now nah, I'm done with the work. I'm done with the my way. I'm okay. He went back through the same places and teaching them and encouraging them. And, 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 and convincing them to keep going onward and upward with Christ. He didn't say, I'm tired. He kept doing what the Holy Spirit called him to do. By the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God. And all the way down the corridor of time, you and I are still hearing about the gospel because of the work the Holy Spirit did through the apostles, through Paul who is an apostle born out of time. And the Bible even declares that you and I have the self-same spirit as Elijah in the book of James. Isn't that amazing? Wait a minute. Didn't he pray that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for seven years? You kidding me? See, we're all born. There's none righteous, no, not one. Every person you read about in the Bible was born under sin except for Jesus. They were born after Adam and inherited the inheritance of Adam, where Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and the inheritance was death. 
And Jesus came to die for his bride so that we could inherit life. We're going to have this in the text. We'll get to it in a minute. But there's nobody in the Bible that was ever like an island of his own. Everybody ever born, Elijah, Elisha, David, men that you go, man, that was powerful. How in the world did Peter step out of the boat and step on the water? The Holy Spirit, God himself, bid me to come to you and I'll come. And he steps out. What did he do? He got his eyes on self. He got it on the storms. He got it on the stuff around him. He, he looked back at the flesh and he started to remember, whoa, wait a minute, nobody can walk on water, this isn't possible. They told me in science that you couldn't do that. The world and the government told me I couldn't do this. Instead of believing what Christ said, he started to sink because he was listening to what the world and the murderer from the beginning said. The one who come to rob, kill, and destroy and wants to take life instead of give life. See, Christ came to give life. Christ didn't come to live. He came to die. He came to serve. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Oh, God's will with it, it was for all. But there's just a few that's actually going to believe and choose to follow. Because there's the false prophets, the false church, the synagogues of Satan. There's all the other voices out there that are trying to keep you from hearing what he has spoken, what he has said, what he said. What did he say, Eve? Oh, something like this, I think. That's what my pastor said. No, it's personal. And Adam should have been protecting her. And if Adam was protecting her, he would have said that we can eat of every tree in the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that we eat from it, we will die. But see, all of it happened on purpose. God didn't want any more robots. He wanted people that would see his love and freely choose to love him back and then go, I got no capacity to love a God like this. And he says, that's good news because if you just believe that, I'll put my spirit in you and I'll put my character in you and the root will grow fruit that looks like love and you'll learn to love me and love others just as I loved you because of who I am, not because of who you are. But then I won't have robots as a bride I'll have people that freely chose to love me and my character, my nature, my will, my authority grew up in them because they kept choosing yes, 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 Lord. They kept choosing to deny self, take up their cross daily and follow me. And the Holy Spirit washes away the flesh, removes the works of the flesh and allows us to go out in the spirit and proclaim the gospel of this great, amazing love that somebody would die for us. It's amazing. And yet we continue to fight and run in our flesh and go, yeah, yeah, I said a prayer. It's okay. I'm fine. Don't bother me with the word of God. I don't need to read it. I'll read it one day. Don't bother me with praying. I'll pray one day. Don't bother me. When things get rough, I guarantee you I'll pray. Yeah, God allows that on purpose. He allows your decisions to make things rough so you will pray. 
But then you know what we do? We ask amiss. We ask wrong. We ask for our own selfishness instead of asking according to the will of God. Because now we don't know the Word of God and we're only praying because we're in trouble. So we don't know how to ask. And then we say, get me out of it. And He doesn't want to get you out of it. He wants to take you through it. So you learn And the next time you see that door open, you go, nope, that's the flesh. That's not the spirit. God didn't say that. I'm not going through that door because I remember what happened last time. And guess what? We do it 20 times, 30 times. We are hard-headed knuck-knucks from Canada or someplace that, that don't learn. But, I mean, there's even a proverb that says, man will not learn by mere correction. You have to walk through it. You have to go through it. You have to be caught up in it, make a decision and say, Lord, I've done it again. Help me. I don't know how to get out of this. I have no power over it. He's like, I got all the power over. I got all the power in heaven and earth. And I already died for you. I've set you free. If you would just follow me and walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, you would be being washed and cleansed. You would be in the center of my will. You would be doing what I called you to do. You would not be stumbling. So this is a practice that we're following, and we get better at it every day as we listen. You get better at recognizing the deeds of the flesh. I think that's tomorrow's reading, isn't it? Two days away. I think it's in Galatians 5. It tells you the work, the deeds of the flesh are obvious, and it lists them, and then it tells you, but the fruit of the Spirit is. So, Listen to me. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going to happen. There's persecution coming again. All of this stuff is hidden in the Bible that, that, that so we could see the examples of those things that are coming on the end of the age. And we will understand it. And He's spoken it. He's given us eyes to see and ears to hear. And He wants us to be involved with Him so He can warn us again. So He can tell us the things. He's going to say it here. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself as I just talk about this. He says, but now, a transition in time, I go away to him who sent me. He's speaking like he's already done it. He knows he's getting ready to go. And notice he was sent. He always reminds himself of that. He always reminds them of that. When you're out there and they're being evil and crazy and you're going, this is really bothering me, remember that you're sent. Remember that they hated him, they'll hate you. Remember this is not your home. Remember that we're citizens of heaven. Remember that the Holy Spirit is in you. Remember that this is all going to burn and that you've been sent on a mission with God and you're to go and make disciples of all nations and you're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and then teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. That's great security, a great promise. It's great reason to remember we're sent. We're sent on a mission. We're only here to save souls. That's why Jesus came. And now he's living in every single one of us that believe to do the same thing still. He hasn't got a new plan. He's still bringing the people out that's his bride. There's nothing new to have fellowship with him for eternity. He's just so long-suffering that he's waited all this time. Think about it. He waited clear through an entire nation. He's been waiting for over 6,000 years. 
just for a bride that will say, I will, I will, I will do thy will and follow your son Jesus to the ends of the earth because he's with us always. So he says, I go away to him who sent me. So he's going back to the father. And then he says this, and none of you asks me. Pay attention. Because, see, they did ask him. What is it, 1336? None of you asks me, where are you going? Pay attention. We're going to get to verse 6. 13, Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And he says, none of them ask. Fourteen five. Thomas says, we do not know where you are going. It has the same type of connotation as the question. So what's Jesus saying? Listen, Jesus is saying, none of you are asking me for the right reason, with the right motive, the right question. They're asking in a selfish way. Peter wants to be the head. Peter wants to go. He says, I'll go with anywhere with you. And it's all about his flesh. The same thing with Thomas. They're asking amiss, so they're not asking the right question. Where are you going? And then he tells them why. See, because he already knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows everything of why Peter said what he said, why Thomas said what he said. And it wasn't the where are you going to be concerned about him. It was because they were only concerned about their own safety, their own position, their own place. So they asked amiss instead of as one dead who's being led by the Holy Spirit. So look at verse 6, and he'll tell you what's going on, the number of man. Verse 6, but, transition, because I have said these things to you. See, he spoke them so that they wouldn't stumble, and they took them in the wrong direction, and sorrow has filled your heart. Listen, he wanted them to be something so that they wouldn't stumble. They looked at it from a fleshly perspective. They twisted it around. They wanted to know where he was going because they were worried about their own meal, their own flesh, their own selves. And they weren't paying attention that he was providing and taking care of them. Why do you ask God for what you do? Why has sorrow filled your heart? The word is lupe. Lupe, sadness, grief, heaviness, grudgingly, pain or affliction. Wait, why has sorrow filled your heart? Why are you sad? Why are you in grief? When you have life now and that more abundantly and it was given by grace through faith and it's not of yourself that is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He's given you eternity with him. What in the world down here is to be grieved by? Why would we not be enjoying the work of the Holy Spirit? This is, this is but we're so focused on self and we should be God-centered, others-oriented and put self last, and we would have the fruit of the Spirit just by looking to do His will, 
just by asking the right questions. Now notice it says sadness or sorrow has filled your hearts. And that word is pleruo. Remember that word filled? It means to cram a net. Like when that net is so full of fish that they thought it was going to break. God's already provided everything they needed according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's already told them, I'll take care of you. He came to them at the beginning of their calling and, and, and they had to call their buddies over to get the net in. He comes at the end, we're going to see at the end of this chapter, after Peter denies him three times and the net is going to be so full and Peter's starting to get it because he drags that net up. It's so amazing. He's starting to get it. We're growing. All of us are supposed to be on the grow. But if you're not going, you're not growing. You can't just sit at home and read your Bible and never do anything with the knowledge that God has given you. It's a fire in your bosom. It's got to get out. you got to tell somebody. So ask God, who am I supposed to speak to about the gospel? It's all about speaking. He spoke to us so we wouldn't be made to stumble. We speak to others so they're not made to stumble. But Greg, I, no, you're not going to do it. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to do it. The Holy Spirit does it. We are supposed to be dead in the grave, dying. Not in the way, but what do we do? We get in the way because we think about the sorrow of our life and how I didn't ever get an education. I didn't ever get that. And you might be able to talk, Greg, but I can't talk. And you might be able to say and be a witness, but I can't do that. And you keep your eye fixed on self and sorrow fills your heart. It influences you. That's what the word means. So what's influencing your heart instead of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is God himself, perfectly capable. Jesus with full of the Holy Spirit without measure. He's our example. See, Jesus wasn't doing it. The Holy Spirit was in him doing it. He wants us to see that example, that it was always the Holy Spirit. What, he got baptized. What led him up into the wilderness? Why didn't it just say Jesus went up into the wilderness? No, it says Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the witness. Why didn't it just say then Paul went out and planted churches? Then Peter went out. It says no, because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they went out. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they did this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke. It has to be the influence. What is influence in your life? The talking heads? the false prophets, the church around you, the culture, your sin, your practices, your life, your flesh, or is it the Holy Spirit influence in your life? See, here it was their flesh, their sorrow filled their hearts, and they were influenced by it to where they only looked at self. They didn't even say, where are you going? How can we help you? Can we do anything? What's going on? I've been telling you like for a whole bunch of time now, I'm going to Jerusalem and dying for the sins of the world. Didn't you read your Bible when you was young? The Messiah has to come and die. But they were falsely taught. They were falsely told. They were following the culture. They were confused. They didn't even understand what was going on until when? When the Holy Spirit comes. And filled their hearts and they began to be influenced by this because you know we're not very many days away 45 days 46 days maybe 43 days maybe no 
three days till he comes again, but till he ascends is what I'm talking about. 43 days. Because he dies, raises from the grave after three days in the grave, and then he spends 40 days talking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then as they watch, he ascends into heaven. And they're like, whoa. And then these angels say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking? This same Jesus will come again in like manner. And we're supposed to be going and telling people that he's coming again. But as the judge, not as the lamb. And so many people don't believe that he came as a lamb to do what? Take away the sins of the world. Sin is dealt with at the cross. There's really only one sin left. And that's what he's talking about here. The sin of unbelief. He's talking to people that would not believe him before. And now he's talking to his disciples. Think about it. When you see, read in the Bible and sin will keep you. What, what sin? What sin? What sin am I going to go to hell for? Unbelief faithlessness well how do i know if i have faith you have any fruit change your mind yet you go in a different direction see it can't be the lying prophets it can't be the deception it can't be i said a prayer it has to be are you bearing fruit because the root always tells you what fruit you are so what you believe you're always influenced by and that's what he's trying to convince them of. You can't just sit in a McDonald's and become a cheeseburger. You can't sit in a church and become a Christian. You can't even get emotionally wrapped up and go forward and say a prayer. You can do it a hundred times. But if the influence of the Holy Spirit isn't affecting your life, you need to go back and say, what's going on, Jesus? What's going on, God? What is happening in my life? I believe, but help my unbelief because it's keeping me from speaking and telling others about you. I'm just preaching the Bible, guys. Not making up a new gospel, which some people will say. You're not saved by what you do. But what you do proves whether you're saved or not. And you need to know it before you stop breathing. You need to know if you're saved before you stop breathing. If you're still doing the same thing you always did, if you're still happy with the, the sin in your life and the things that are going on, and you're still going the same direction and living in the world and listening to the talking heads and the false prophets and the liars, and you're not listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, probably not saved. It's just that simple. I can't speak and say whether somebody's saved or not, but Jesus clearly tells us, you can tell a tree, epigonoskos, you can tell a tree by its fruit. We were at the house the other day, and Michael goes, look at these oranges. It was an apple tree. And so he was laughing his butt off. Hey, look at these oranges over here. But anybody can tell a tree by its fruit. Now, not a one-year-old baby might not be able to talk to you, but you and I don't walk up to banana trees and go, get me one of them coconuts. Right? In the physical. So we should know in the spiritual what fruit looks like. It bows down. 
it lays low. It humbles itself. It's the Spirit of God who had all the power in the universe coursing to him, and he still came down and died. Not that he would change a bit, not that he would bear fruit a bit. It was all for us. How do you change perfect righteousness? How do you make perfection any better? Pay attention. That's what they're doing in our world today. It's what they're doing in our world today. They're saying, this is perfect. Let's change it. What kind of delusion is that? Just listen to it. The talking prophets. America was the best country in the world. But now look at them. How do you become the best country in the world if you were born and started with a seed of racism? If you were born and started with a seed of slavery? How do you, any of those things, you just fill in the blank. You do not bear fruit of the greatest nation, the freest nation ever, unless you start with freedom. Unless you start from a seed of freedom, you cannot have freedom. That's all I'm telling you. I'm not putting patriotism before the cross. Unless you start with freedom, Christ, who came to set the captives free, you're not going to be set free. You might be lied to. You might be self-deceived. You might think you're going to heaven. But unless you start with the seed that Christ gives you when he plants his Holy Spirit in you, you are still in your bondage. You're still in your sin. You say, well, that's a little alarming. It should be. Because we've been given a false bill of goods that all you have to do is repeat after me. Now, that's what you do when you join the army. That's what you do when you testify in a courtroom. But the first word of the gospel is metanoia. Repent. Change your mind. Not repeat after me. Change your mind. Believe God and stop following self. And then it's a series of changing your mind for the rest of your life. And understanding that he's going to take you through stuff to get you to change your mind. He's going to turn the fire up so you don't have to receive fire when you die. See, if you don't get the fire now, you're going to get it later. Because right now you're enjoying life and the best it's ever going to be is right now. Because hell fire hurts. There's burning and gnashing of teeth. But if you take the fire now, God's a consuming fire. He's burning out the dross. He's changing your life. Then the fruit that grows is fruits of righteousness, and you never see the fire again. Well, the beam of seat judgment, but it'll be all right. You get in as if saved by fire. He'll burn up everything you did for the wrong motivations after you were saved, Paul tells us. If you try to build the church with something other than the Holy Spirit. So, what's influencing your heart? That's what he's doing. He's telling them right here. Sorrow is influencing your heart. Sorrow is influencing your heart. Then he says, nevertheless, verse 7, right? Man is sick. Sorrow fills our heart. We're motivated and influenced, cramming our hearts full of the wrong thing. And in 7, he tells us what completes us. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. <laughs> What changes your life? What is going to change your life when you meet truth and you repent? It is to your advantage 
it is expedient for you, King James, that I go away. For if I do not go away, that's the third time he said go away, the helper, uh, the comforter, the parakletos will not come to you. But if I go away, same word again, depart, I will send him to you. Notice it's a him. Notice it's God. It's the third person of the Trinity. All three are very much 100% God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three have a different part in your salvation. The Father's plan, the Son is the sacrifice, the Holy Spirit is the power doing the work, following the plan perfectly, the Logos, the blueprint. And that's why we need that in us. Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come up on and use people for specific purposes. King Saul, but God took the Spirit from him. King David, Holy Spirit upon him. Promise that, that there will always be somebody from your loins on the throne for eternity. Saying that through that tribe, Jesus would come from his loins. But the Holy Spirit was upon him for a specific purpose. They were already God's bride. All the Hebrew people, they were his firstborn nation. Now you and I come, we have to be believer priests. We're adopted in when we believe, and when we believe God, it's accounted to us as righteousness, the same way that happened with Abraham before he ever had a child. 25 years before he ever had a child, Genesis 15, he believed God. And God put on his account righteousness. If you go read, oh, where is it? If you go read in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23, it's going to tell you what Christ's name will be in the millennium. The Lord is our righteousness. I think it's, uh, oh, is it Jehovah Kanishkanu? Anybody know? The Lord is our righteousness. I forget what it is in the Hebrew. So we need to understand this. Notice who's advantage. Notice who is expedient for. Notice who's being completed. Verse 7, John 16, 7. It doesn't change God one bit. But he's wanting us to change the direction and the influence of our hearts. Because you keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow all the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23, it's the heart that matters most. That's the seedbed of Christ, where he's living in the middle of you, and the fruit's going to grow from there, and the fruit's going to grow from whatever is influencing you. If it's fear, then you're going to keep being afraid. I don't trust God. I'm afraid. He's against me. He's mad at me. He don't like me. He loves you so much he died for you. What more can a man do to prove his love? He's not here to judge you. He, here, he took your judgment. He died for you. He took all the sin of the world upon himself. All the wrath of God. God is satisfied with the payment that was made once for all for sin. And the only sin that's going to send people to heaven is the sin of unbelief. Never choosing Christ. Never following Christ. Not a prayer one time at a... It's following. Where's your life going? Have you changed your mind? Are you changing your mind? Is it producing fruits of righteousness worthy of repentance in your life? 
as you're being perfected. If not, it's the wrong Jesus. It's the wrong spirit. It's the wrong thing. Because God is not weak and anemic, and this is the purpose he came for, was to to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you believe that he died and rose again on the third day, he puts his spirit in you, which is God himself, and he's perfectly capable of doing home makeover if you surrender. The problem is we want to keep fighting instead of listening and obeying Listen, nobody perfect, but we are being perfected. At the harvest, we'll see Christ face to face and we'll be just like him. So he's telling us the truth. The truth according to the gospel. Truth is, 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 is um, Jesus, obviously. He just told us earlier, 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? But the word truth here uh, means verity. It means truly. But it's, it's, it's in biblical usage, it's all the truth as taught in the Christian religion. Respecting Jesus. Respecting God's word. You can't make up new stuff. Yeah, well, God didn't know that my gender was fluid. God didn't know. Listen, I'm not picking on none of those people. God didn't know that I was going to have an habitual lifestyle situation where I love to steal stuff. God didn't know that I was going to. Listen, he knows all of it. And he came and died to perfect you, complete you, and to take you to his house as his bride so that you could be with him for eternity. He's provided every single thing we need for life and godliness. And anything else is an excuse because they hate God. It's an excuse. And the enemy, the devil, he keeps piling on more false evidence. And people keep believing it to make it think that God is against you. When God came to die to set the captives free. You know, when you, words are powerful. That's why God says, pay attention to my word. And I forget which behavioralist it was, but when I was in college, it seems like it was, um, oh my goodness, which one was it? I'll tell you the story, maybe I'll get to it. He was a behavioralist, and he took his own daughter and taught her that red was blue and blue was red, and he taught her these things that were lies just to prove that you could change somebody's perceptual field of how they viewed things, and they would argue to they were, if you tell a person to lie long enough, it becomes their reality. That's all they're doing in the world. That's all the devil does. He's a hater. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He does it from his own resources. He's influenced by that. The whole government is influenced by that. And they're trying to influence you. And you're supposed to hear what he has spoken, his word, and it be leading you into his kingdom by the power of his spirit for his glory. It's expedient that we listen. It's expedient that he goes away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was in him without measure, leading him, teaching him. And then when he goes away, he can send the Spirit back to indwell 
He's with you alongside parakletos. When you believe, he comes in you, Greek preposition, in. He influences, he, 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 he just completely takes over in your life, but no force. See, if there was force, it would be like the angels were created, and this is what they do. Their character is made to serve God. He wants people who will freely choose to love him because he first loved us. And then the fellowship for eternity is mutual. The fellowship for eternity is because we both love each other. You have to, if you're married and you're, you're married for any period of time, you begin to see this acted out in the marriage. As you die to self to raise children, as you die to self to make the house work, as you lead and die, you see that the love grows and blossoms because both people are dying. And fruit of love can grow out of that and it becomes a beautiful garden that you can walk with God in. Listen to me. It's not about us. It's not about being right. It's not about sin. And everybody thinks it's about sin. It's about unbelief. Which is sin. So I'm not contradicting myself. But the whole world... The devil, most pastors have you focused on your little besetting sin. They have you focused on your things that you've done. And oh my goodness, yes, they will interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit. And you need to use 1 John 1, 9. But all of sin has been fulfilled before the Father. It's been taken care of. So get your eyes off of the sin and get your eyes on what God is doing in your life. What he's called you for. It's expedient for you to listen to what he's spoken and what he said because the enemy's going to come and make you afraid. They're going to kill you. They're going to be they're going to make you fearful. They're not going to receive you. They're going to do everything that they did to Jesus. And you're going to go, "Yeah, I better just be quiet. Don't tell anybody that I just put my hand on that stove burner even though I want to scream real loud that I'm not getting this. I want to scream real loud that this is painful and it hurts and it's bringing sorrow into my heart. Just be still and act like you're getting it. Everything's okay. Don't even say anything. Somebody will notice that I'm flesh and blood. See, we already know that. Everybody should already know that. There's no difference between any of us. None whatsoever. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then God comes and he designs the body with his spirit. I better keep moving. Listen, it doesn't do any advantage or it's not expedient for Christ. But now if he goes away, he can send the Holy Spirit. Of course, he's speaking of the cross finishing his way so that he can go away to the grave and, and so he can send the helper or again it's the comforter isn't it it's the comfort of paracletos it's the one that is interceding and consoling he's our advocate it's one who comes alongside to help it's one who pleads another's cause are you letting the Holy Spirit plead your cause? Are you still fighting for your rights? Are you still fighting for what you want to do? Are you still arguing about you have the right? And I don't have to be a doormat. I have the right. You still arguing in your flesh? Or are you dying? Do you know your place? Men, 
Do you know your place? Women, do you know your place? Children, do you know your place? Do you know what God has called you for? Are you still fighting for some place and some name and some PhD in this society, which means nothing? It's all going to burn. My goodness, we're children of God. We've been saved by the blood of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are those that become the models of what right living looks like. So he goes away because it's expedient. It's to our advantage. It's for our help because now he can live in us. He already knows everything, but now he's in us. And he's like, okay, if you're not going to take that down, then I'll take it down. Okay, if you're not going to do that, then I'll do it. Well, how are you going to do it, God? I'm going to take you to the woodshed. You're going to have a flat tire right in front of their house. And they're going to come out and help you. And they're going to pile coals on your head. And you're going to have to say hello. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to do what I've called you to do. But I'm not going to force you. I'm just going to allow it to be right in your lap. He doesn't want us to be like a dumb mule that he has to put a bridle in its mouth and that the pain and the suffering pulls us back and forth. He wants us to willingly obey in love because we know that he's good. But sometimes he has to chastise us and he puts that bit in our mouth and goes, all right, we're going to turn his head over here. And, you know, and people think, oh, this is terrible. God is trying to kill me. No, he's trying to get you to focus on what you need to focus on in life over here. So he turns your head, it causes a little pain, but it burns out the dross. It purifies the man of God and the woman of God. It cleans you up. But when you keep resisting him, the pain gets worse. The contention gets worse. The sorrow influences your heart and you keep fighting against the one who died for you so you can actually follow the one who wants to kill you. It's your choice. Nobody's going to force it. Well, the devil will. He's lying to you. Just keep doing what you're doing. Nobody will ever know your hand's on the fire. Listen to me. God loves us. This is why he's here is to seek and to save that which is lost. Are you lost? Confess it to him. I've been found, but I still have unbelief in my heart. I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord. This is a difficult life. I don't want that to fill my heart, influence my heart, and make my heart go away from God. I want to receive His Spirit and let that begin to fill my heart with joy, with fruits of righteousness. Now watch it. He's departing. He's going away. Going to happen because verse 8 changes everything. New beginning. New beginning is 8. And when He has come, has he come into your heart? Oh, he's in the world. Is he in your heart? When he has come. Listen, that's a new beginning. He was in Jesus. It was expedient that Jesus leave. And then now the new beginning is when he comes. Not if. He's coming. The question is, is he in your heart? He's in the world right now. What's he doing, Greg? Well, he tells you right there. He will reprove, he will convict the world, cosmos, of harmatea, missing the mark, God's glorious mark, sin, 
What sin? Which one did I do? All of them. But it's the sin nature we're born with. But then it's the sin of unbelief. And that's what they're dealing with now. Watch. And of righteousness and of judgment. Man, what in the world does that mean? I wish I had a commentary that would tell me what sin and righteousness and judgment means that the Holy Spirit is going to do. Oh, verse 9. Let's go further. He explains it. Of sin because they do not believe in me. See the sin? They don't believe. Verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Remember, he's perfect righteousness. He's the perfect example. He's the one that lived the perfect life. Righteousness incarnate. And they see him no more. That's why the Holy Spirit is going to take everything and show it to us about perfect righteousness. About perfect right living. Because nobody sees him anymore. He's seated making intercession for us. When we see him again, it'll be in the clouds. Not down here anymore. Verse 11. Of judgment. Why? Why? That's the word Allah too, I think. But and because. Is it? There's another one of these words that was Allah. I'm sorry. No, it was nevertheless was Allah. Not because. Because means... Um, concerning or that and he gives you the reason the conduit of because of judgment verse 11 of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged notice he's not talking about your judgment jesus took our judgment jesus died for all the sin and when he did he judged the ruler of this world who brought sin the one who brings death the one who caused it all by lying to Eve and Adam wasn't protecting her, so he gets the blame. We inherited it through this liar and Jesus came and what did the devil say? Boy, if we can kill him, we'll have the whole vineyard. We get a whole garden. And so God allowed him in his delusion, in his deception, in his upside down living to think that if he killed him, he would stay dead. But guess what? Since he didn't have the first Adam as a father, he rose again. He got up out of the grave because he lived a perfect life. His inheritance was not death like you and I are born into. His inheritance was life. And that more abundantly, he perfectly obeyed God. So the devil was tricked because there's no wisdom or understanding or knowledge against God into becoming the one that actually got him on the cross. Barabbas, we want Barabbas, crucify him, crucify him. And the devil tricked the religious ruling authorities to choose the son of the father, Barabbas. Deceived him into that. And the devil thought he was going to win. But guess who got up on the third day and, and led all the victory triumph. He led all the people before the devil and he defeated him completely on the cross. Death has been defeated. No victory anymore. No sting anymore. Unless, of course, you believe the lies and you're self-deceived and you follow what Satan says, then you're still living a good old-fashioned fleshly life that produces the fruit of death. Produces the fruit of death once again in your life. You don't want that to happen once again in your life. You want to go onward and upward. You want to listen to what the voice of God is saying. (laughs) 
verse uh, uh, Galatians 2, 18 says, For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. We just read this. That's why I can go there, because I'm reading my Bible. And the Lord always provides. But if you continue to do what you had done instead of what you were saved to, and you're continuing to live in the old man and the flesh, you make yourself out to be a transgressor again of the law. But if you're saved by grace, you get to walk in the Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you reckon the old man dead, as Paul did, I have been crucified with Christ. Wait a minute. Let's go back to 2.19 first. 2.19 says this, For I, look, God gives you the credit, through the law died to the law. Why, Paul? That I might live to God. So you haven't been set free to do whatever you want. You've been set free to live in the newness of life and follow God by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I have been crucified with Christ. I die daily. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Who's influencing you? See, Christ is the Spirit. The Spirit's living in you. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, not by my own strength, not by my own power, not listening to the talking heads and the lying prophets. I live it by faith in who? By believing in the Son of God who loved me. I'm reminded of this. This is why he died and rose again and gave himself, died for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. No reason for him. If the law was good enough, if the law could save us. See, the law is perfect. And that's what Paul is talking about to the church in Galatia. The law was perfect. It converts the soul. The problem is, is in us, we can't obey the law. So Christ come and obeyed the law perfectly and then give us his imputed righteousness freely. And now what he's talking about here, when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? He's going to live in those that believe, then don't remain in the sin of unbelief, and then he's going to convict or reprove you and me, wash and cleanse us, but then it's conviction. You've ever been in court? Some people haven't been in court. But you know what all the evidence is for of the fruit of your life? It's, it's to produce a preponderance of evidence that convicts you as guilty of sin. And if you're guilty of sin, then you receive the wages of sin, which is death. But Christ took that for us. So if you believe that he took it for us, now you're innocent. There is no writing against you. There is no charges. There is no sin. It's all been taken and fully justified by Christ when he died for us. It's double jeopardy if we have to die again. So now all we have before us is life. Listen to me. It's very important to understand what the Holy Spirit's doing. Those that don't believe, he's, con it's, 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 he's looking to convict them. There's going to be no way when they get to the judgment seat, to the white throne judgment, they're going to go, yeah, but... Allah. No, they're not going to be saying, but they're going to go, oh, please give me another chance, Lord. I didn't know. Yes, you did. You were told. I didn't know. It's appointed for men to die once and then comes the judgment. I didn't know. Yes, you did. 
One day every knee will bow to the praise of his glory. There'll be those that are bowing because they're bowing now. And there'll be those that are bowing for a second chance. They're begging for a second chance and none will be given because right now is the day for salvation. So he's convicting, reproving, and, and, and burning out the dross in those who already believe. But then he's producing evidence as the prosecutor to convict where no mouth will even open. Every mouth will be stopped because the evidence will be so large over a whole life of sin that there's no way anybody will speak up. It's just that simple. And so when the Holy Spirit is convicting us that what we're doing is sin, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you and it's conviction, he's raising up evidence for you to die on at the white throne judgment. But if he's convicting you and you repent and metanoia and you believe and you're trusting God, then you're already paid for and your sin has no bearing upon it except for you to say, you're right, Lord, I did that. Agree with him. I did that. And, and I can't stand it. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Lord. I'm lying to you. I did it. It was good for a season. I love my sin. Lord, can you change my desires so that I don't love my sin? See, being honest with God is so important because he is truth. Being honest with God is so important. He needs nobody to testify of man. He already knows what's in your heart. So don't lie to yourself and go, man, I hate doing that. I yelled at her again. I did this again. You don't hate it. You're giving yourself permission to do it because you hate God and you don't want to surrender. Listen, I'm just talking. This is all of us. Just because I'm the talking head up here with the Holy Spirit using him doesn't mean that I don't do these things too. But do you believe? That's the sin, unbelief. Look what he says. Let's look back up. Why? Verse 9. Of sin, harmatea, because they do not believe in me. Pistio, that means to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ. Harmatea is missing the target, missing the mark. You don't have to miss the mark anymore. Why? Because he just told them in verse or in chapter 15, if I would not have come, they would have no sin. But now I came, I pointed it out, I fulfilled the scriptures, and I've told them, I did the miracles in front of them. They know I'm the Messiah, but they don't want to lose their power and their pomp and their place. They're afraid their nation might be destroyed. They're afraid that they might have to go and humble themselves instead of being the nation where all of the oracles of God come from. See, that's what's wrong with America today. God warned us with judgment when the Twin Towers come down. He allowed another nation to blow up what? The one world government headquarters? Where every nation trades at? Did it even happen? That's a question too. See, because I don't believe the liars. What does a liar do? They lie. You know what happens when you realize that somebody's a liar? Everything they say is suspect. And if you go on, go, oh, they lied about that COVID thing, and then you believe every everything they're saying on TV, what in the world's wrong with you? You're self-deceived. You want to believe. You're self-deceived, but God's already told us that they're liars. They're underneath the sway of the wicked one. It's one world government. The devil is doing it. He's the father of lies. He puts them all in place. He sets them up, and he allows them. Because why? Why? Because they won't listen to God. 
See, he offered it to Jesus in Matthew 4. He says, I'll give you all of these kingdoms if you'll bow down and worship me. He said, away with you. Away with you. He used the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It is written, you shall serve the Lord, your God, and worship no one else. Bow down to no one else. That's why they hate him. That's why they hate true Christians. If you're not bowing down to God, you're bowing down to the world. You're bowing down to something. You're influenced by something. You're sorrowful about something. But with God, there's joy in your heart. With the world and your selfishness and your flesh, there's sorrow. And you're being influenced and motivated by it. But with God, there's just joy forevermore. The joy of the Lord's going to be our strength. We know the end. He's told us everything that's coming. But I, I hear a whole bunch of false prophets out there talking about, oh, no, it's going to recover. We're going to be okay. As soon as we get the right president, we'll be fine. Are you kidding me? We don't understand we're under judgment. 22 years ago, when them Twin Towers come down, instead of repenting and putting our face in the ground, we put bumper stickers on that said, American pride, we will rebuild. Want to bet? Want to bet? Some of you are not even old enough to realize that 22 years ago what was going on. I work with people that are 23 years old. They say stuff like, in the 1900s, we used... You kidding me? Doesn't that make you feel old? Remember the 1900s? That's weird to me. We used to say, remember in the 1800s or early 1900s? Remember back with the, the Depression and we knew what time that was? People are saying now. That was the 1900s. Come into the 2000s. And I'm like, really? Really? You're just going to keep cutting the branches off so that no fruit grows, huh? And you think you're going to reach the same pinnacle as when the fruit came from that blessing from God because we protected Israel? Better wake up. God's got another work. In fact, if you want some homework to go with all of this chapter, go read Romans 9, 10, and 11. If I wouldn't have talked so much, I was going to go to Romans 3. I was going to go to Romans 8. I was going to go... <laughs> Read your Bible. Hashtag, read your Bible. And this stuff becomes clear when you let the Holy Spirit open it up to you. So he's coming into the world to convict. And why of righteousness? Because there's none righteous, no, not one. Why of righteousness? That's the mark. Why of righteousness? Because Christ is the righteousness of God. He's the righteous one. He's the one that right lived before God perfectly. Oh, we got to go there. Let's go to Romans 3. Of righteousness, look, he says in verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The only way you can see perfect righteousness is if the Holy Spirit gives you eyes to see it in the pages of Scripture. When the man of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, He's transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. Go forward up to Romans 3. Oh, I wanted to get to Romans 9. Actually, in Romans 10, he says, for, the, for Christ, listen to this, Romans 10, 4. 
for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Listen, the law's going nowhere. It's perfect. The word of God's going nowhere. But Christ becomes the end of the law for those who believe. You become a believer priest. That means you're trusting and serving and laying down your life because you believe that Christ, Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And if you read all of 10, you would see that that's what's going on in that marriage ceremony. And because you believe, you spoke. And how beautiful are the feet that bring glad tidings of good news that we're no longer under the requirement of the law. But we stand completely innocent and justified by faith because of grace in Christ. Where am I looking at? Romans 3, is that what I told you? Listen, he's convicting of righteousness. He's the only one that ever come. Ah, Let's start in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. There's none better than they. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, that's Jews and Gentiles, anything that's not a Jew is a Gentile, uh, or an ethnos, that's what the word means, that they are all under sin, born with a sin nature. You're not a sinner because you did something wrong, you're a sinner because you were born. That's your nature, and God gives you a new nature. As it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Oh, I found God. No, you didn't. He came and found you and knocked on your door and you believed. God wasn't lost. You were. I'm getting excited. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat, what they're talking about, is an open tomb of death. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit, lying. The poison of asp, guess who their father is, is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Listen to me. Very important to understand this. We're all confined to the same place. But notice his conclusion. The fear of God is not before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, when Abraham took Isaac up on the hill in Genesis 22, and he raised the knife to kill his only begotten son, that which was taking his heart away from worshiping God. Listen, what happened? It's a picture of Calvary. It's a picture of a father sacrificing his son. It's a picture of a three-day journey. As he raised the knife up, God said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the lad, for now I know you fear God. See, you weren't willing to withhold anything. You were given everything. Even your son, which you waited 25 years to be birthed so that you could have, and now you've had him for 33 years, you still gave him because you knew that you were supposed to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you knew that you were supposed to do that by obeying him. That's why he says, go and make disciples and then teach them to obey. 
We've been given the Spirit so that we can learn to obey. Why? Because we want to be Christ-like. And what did He do? He obeyed perfectly. Why is the standard now just saying a prayer at an altar when the standard to God is learning to metanoia, learning to repent, learning to agree, learning to obey. And part of obeying is agreeing that we were wrong. And that's what the fire does. It washes and cleanses us by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, 319. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, we're not under it anymore, that every mouth may be stopped. Don't make up your own little religious stuff. And all the world may become guilty before God. That's what's going on here. The Holy Spirit's going to convict them that we're all guilty. And if you say, no, I'm not, I don't believe in Jesus, that's the one that's going to die in their sins. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh, notice it's flesh, will be justified in the sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, if there was no rule, 55 is the speed limit, you can drive whatever you want. Well, officer, I've never seen a speed limit. Where's the law at? But when the law comes, it produces and shows you that that's a transgression. Now in your heart, you know that that's what God said not to do. And it reveals your heart to you that you will not obey God. But now the righteousness. Oh, wait a minute. Here's that but, that transition, 21. But now the righteousness. Wait a minute. Let's do it again. But now the righteousness. Wait a minute. Let's do it again. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, made manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Why? Because they spoke of it. They pointed to him. They declared him. Even the righteousness of God through faith, you have to trust him and believe in Jesus Christ to all. You can scratch out and on all. I scratch that out. Who believe? Don't scratch it out. If you take away from the word, no, there's just some stuff in here that ain't right. So it's even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There it is. It's the word pistio. It's to mean to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ. And then there's another word. When you walk by faith, it's pistis. And it means a constancy in that. Not a one-time thing at an altar. But you constantly are looking to listen to the Holy Spirit. And be convicted and reproved and guided by God. To do the will of God for the glory of God. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's in no other name. Whom God sent forth, He sent Him at the fullness of time, as a payment, a propitiation by His blood, following the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, through faith. And what was he doing? He was demonstrating his righteousness. He walked perfectly. Now they see him no more, he's saying. Now you have to believe with your heart. More blessed, he told Thomas, are those who believe later than those who see and stick their fingers in the womb. Because that's a life of faith. That's how Abraham became righteous. He believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. You and I are sons of Abraham. Because we believe, we're believer priest. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. That's his long suffering. 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. 
that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. I can't go any further. We have to stop. Let's go back to John 16. Let's try to finish this up. Listen, he's convicting and convincing the whole world that there's none righteous, you need a savior. The devil's out there convincing people that they can follow any path with the synagogues of Satan and believe anything and do anything and they'll be okay because God is love. No, God is love because he provided already a propitiation. He provided already a way. He already took our judgment. That is love. Love is not telling people that you can get in any way you want. You can climb over the fence. You can break down the door. You can make up your own system. Love is dying for you. And that's why you and I are told to go die for others. As an individual and as a body, we're supposed to go out and die for people. And not even physically. Although one day they may kill us and think that they offer God service we are just called in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercy, considering the gospel, considering the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy because of his righteousness, acceptable because of Christ. Forgot the verse. Holy and acceptable. <laughs> Uh, when you add commentary in there, it's hard to maintain that thought. Uh, uh, so maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, it's the word logos, or logical thing to do. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, new creation, metamorphosis, uh, by the renewing of the mind, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you're growing fruit that proves uh, epigenoskos that you have the seed of God in you. You're being led by the Spirit of God. But if you're listening to the world, you're being conformed back into a transgressor that's following what the world is doing underneath the sway of the wicked one. But what are we supposed to do? Have our mind renewed. How do you have your mind renewed? By saying, I repent metanoia i'm changing my mind i thought i was okay doing this but i'm really not lord am i because your word says don't your word says your spirit's convicting me and it lines up together the law and the prophets say it it's all making sense now lord i just need to have a new operating system and it shouldn't come from the devil it shouldn't be my phone which is an unholy spirit it shouldn't be the talking heads on the news it shouldn't be the lying prophets that are twisting the word of god it should be the holy spirit you know that seven times the bible says he who has the ear to hear let him hear what the spirit says to the church seven times the number of completion and guess where it says it at during the seven churches and the church ages in revelation two and three Revelation 1 presents Jesus, the island of Patmos, and Jesus there on the Lord's Day. Revelation 2 and 3 presents the seven ages or the seven churches. Guess what Revelation 4 does? Tells John the grace of God to come up here. It's the rapture of the church, 4 and 5. 6 begins to seal judgments. This is all in the Bible, guys. I'm not making these things up. 
Seven times the church age is supposed to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church if you have an ear. Why do I need an ear? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's the rest of chapter 10 of Romans. That's the only way to believe God. I don't believe Him. Well, then you need to hear the Word of God. I was just watching this debate the other day and the guy says, uh, this pastor was challenged not to read his Bible for a year. Guess what? He's not a pastor anymore. Because he listened and was conformed to some other belief system. You want a con man to pull you out? Or do you want Jesus the Christ to pull you out? I'm telling you, listen to what God is saying to the church. Have a relationship with his spirit that comes in and seals you and washes you and cleanses you and leads you and guides you and teaches you and influences you. And Acts 1.8 says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. No matter what they say they're going to do to you. Because they can't kill you. The second death has no power over us. And then he says, Revelation 2, let him who has the ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the church. The church, literally, we look at it as this building. We're so lost in our flesh. It's ecclesia. It means the called out ones. Not living in the world, called out from the world, going to the world as a witness. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit who's leading, guiding, and directing us. Who thought you could finish this whole chapter, or this whole little section so of righteousness, and then verse 10, verse 11, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Do you know that? Satan is judged. He has no power over you. Satan has been judged. It's the word crino. It means to decide mentally or judicially. It means to damn, to sentence. He's perverted everything that God created, and the only way that you'll be perverted with him is listen to what he says. But if you hear the voice of God, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me, you're going to bear fruits worthy of repentance. You're going to change your mind. You're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what's that going to do, Greg? You're going to prove. You're going to be the evidence of what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And they're not going to shut you up because of some mandate. Isn't that actually sexist anyway? Shouldn't it be a they date? Oh, there's going to be a date. There's going to be a day that God has appointed to judge everyone. Shouldn't be a mandate, should it? I'm sorry. It's nonsense, guys. How can we be the church and not see the delusion and the nonsense of the world and stop listening to them and start listening to God? judged satan has been judged right now he's what we call out on bond if you want to think about it he's out on bond he's already been sentenced lake of fire we don't want to go there we're receiving the fire now to burn out the dross to purify us so we don't ever go to the lake of fire with him and and his fruit that's where his fruit ends up burnt good for nothing eternity He's already sentenced, but why did God let him out? Just to tempt. There has to be a choice. There has to be good and evil. There has to be a choice. That's the tree. 
There has to be a choice or it's forced by God. No choice. Well, what do you mean? Choose me. Well, there's no other choice. I have to choose you. No, there's another choice. And the devil makes it look like there's a myriad of choices. But really, there's two choices. There's good and evil. And evil is the absence of God. And Christ came and was perfect righteousness. He was God in the flesh. And he died so that we could have life with him and be married back into his family. And the devil, who is a liar, has been judged. He's totally judged. We found out. The Spirit reveals who he is. He's a liar. You don't have to listen to him. He came to rob, kill, and destroy. But the Holy Spirit has come. Notice he calls him the ruler. He's the prince. He's the commander. He's the leader. 1 John 1, 19. I know you are of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. God allows that so that you can be tempted and tested and tried. But those that are following and led and guided by the Holy Spirit are His. So I'm not listening to their argument over a country. I'm not following their fleshly battle. Are you? What's influencing your heart? What's influencing your life? Let's finish this up. He's been judged. And everybody that follows him will be judged with him and cast into the lake of fire. Jesus took your judgment. You don't have to be cast into the lake of fire. You can become a believer priest. You can trust him. Verse 12, I still have, this is Jesus, red letters if you're looking, I still have many things to say to you. Now he's talking specifically to his disciples, but now he's talking to you and me. We become born again. We're on milk. We move to the meat of the word. So he slowly feeds us and slowly teaches us. He slowly grows us up. He slowly sends us out as we listen. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. When we got saved, I didn't know nothing, but I was blind, but now I see. And then you begin to learn. And what you learn is, is that Satan joined the church on day two. And he began to pervert and destroy the church so that people would listen to man instead of listening to the Spirit. But during the church age, right now, we're supposed to be hearing what the Spirit would say. And if you want to know if it's the right Spirit, does it line up with the character and the nature and the will of God? Does it line up with what the, the, the Bible says? Not what man says, because man's making up new stuff. In fact, they change the Bible every single year. In order to print a new one, you have to change 10% of the Word of God. How far are we away from the true manuscripts, the true Word of God that was recorded if the devil is in the world trying to deceive us? You need the Spirit coupled with the Word of God. That's what he says in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify, that's set apart, consecrate, and cleanse her, wash her, with the washing of the water through the word. So Holy Spirit and word together, it cleanses your heart. It transforms you by the renewing of the mind. It helps you to change your mind because now you have the power and the truth. And in fact, this Holy Spirit is truth. Jesus is the spirit of truth. If he is truth, then it has to be the self-same God living in you. 
So he has many things to say to you, but we don't want to listen. Uh, la, 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 don't talk to me no more. La, 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 I'm busy doing this over here. La, 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 la. I don't hear what God's saying because I want to stay in my sin. I want to stay in my flesh. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Had a buddy that he's dead now. He crashed his car and died. And he would tell everybody, don't listen to what they're saying because the more you know, the more you're responsible. So don't listen to them. Just go walk away from them. Amos was crazy. He fought martial arts and stuff. He was crazy. But that's what he would tell people. And he was raised in the church. The more you hear, the more you're required. The more you hear, the more you know, the more you're going to be judged by it. Don't listen to them. That was his plan when he crashed and died. What's your plan? Look what he says, verse 12. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You can't carry them around. My goodness, you just said they're going to kill me. They're going to offer God sacrifice, and I can't carry the other things around? See, that's what we're supposed to do with fruit, with the Word of God, is bear it, carry it around. But they couldn't handle it then. But, however, that's the same word, when he, a person, the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you, lead you, teach you, into all truth. He'll remind you of what I've said, for he will not speak of his self. Listen, bad translation here. Mine says he will not speak on his own authority. The King James says he shall not speak of himself. See, that's what the devil does, speaks of himself. That's what, that's what some teachers do and some pastors do. They speak of themselves. The Holy Spirit is still going to listen to the plan of God from the Father, and He's going to tell what He hears. And see, that's what you and I are supposed to do. When we meet in the throne room and we come out of the throne room, we're supposed to tell people what we hear from the Holy Spirit. I think the connotation might be there of His own authority, but it shows again that He's under authority. Why? Because He was sent. You and I are under authority because we're sent. The Father is where it's all going to end at. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Are you listening? Things are coming. He's speaking everything that's coming, this one-world government, this one-world religion, this one-world economy, these synagogues of Satan and the pulpits, the prophets of, of the Baal, they're all here. They're just disguised, covered up. You don't have to fear them. You don't have to have sorrow in your heart. You can have joy because you know Jesus and you're not going to experience the second death. He will, 14, He will glorify, honor, lift up me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't want attention. I've talked more today about what I talk about because the Holy Spirit doesn't want the attention. He wants you to know that it's not about Him, it's about Jesus. It's not about him. If somebody says they're having a Holy Spirit revival, don't go. The Holy Spirit's not trying to draw attention to himself, and no Christian should be trying to draw attention to themselves because we're supposed to be pointing back to Jesus. And Jesus points to the Father. But he takes what he hears, just like we're supposed to do. When the man of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, Jesus, He's transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God 
for the glory of God. We're doing it to honor God, to lift up God, to, to prove to a dying world that they can believe because he changed our life, they can change them. There's hope in the gospel. There's no hope in eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die following the devil and sitting around dealing with people who just lie, 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 lie. And they don't mind doing it from their own resources. But even the Holy Spirit doesn't speak from his own resources. He speaks from what the Father's plan is. He's completing the work of God. Are you? Or are you stumbling around in the darkness still? All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Wow, what a statement. Jesus just said he was the Father again. What a statement. We'll deal with it more next week. We'll take care of it next week as we dovetail the rest of this together because he goes on to explain more of it and what was going on, what is going on with our life. But you need to understand that there's one sin that will cast you in hell. The sin of unbelief. The sin of never believing and then listening and obeying the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not a one-time altar thing. It's something that you do at the altar of your heart, and it alters your life so that you produce fruit because you keep changing your mind. That's what the Holy Spirit is reproving and convicting God's people of. But the conviction that He gives to the world is that they're sinners, that they fall short of the glory of God, and that there's righteousness or salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. And one day there's going to be a judgment. Just as he was judged, all those that keep following and don't believe Jesus will receive his same judgment, the lake of fire. Hell was never made for human flesh. Hell was made for fallen angels. Salvation was never made for fallen angels. It was made for flesh and blood. Who are you going to believe today? There's voices and voices, but there's one voice. There's one word that's been spoken to you, and it's life. Choose you this day whom you shall serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord our God. Father, pour out your spirit and wake us up that we would not go on in unbelief, in unforgiveness, in all those things that 2 Timothy talk about, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of your Holy Spirit, denying the transforming evidence that comes in the newness of life. Wake us up, Lord, lest we perish. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?